Questions Only with your hosts, Justin and Kayla. And this week, we will be going over a review of the Emmy nominations that were just released this week, as well as a recap of the movie Black Widow. Don't worry, we will give you a spoiler alert before we get into the movie later on, so just keep listening until you get there if you haven't seen it yet. But you know what? First things first, it's Emmy talk. And I got to start us off with, what do you think about this year's host, Cedric the Entertainer? Not a big fan. Not a Cedric the Entertainer fan? Okay. Nope. All right. That's that's all I have to say about that. I'm trying to remember in the past, I don't know if any really Emmys host has stood out to me. Has there been any previous host over the last few years that have really made an impact on you? I got to say the Oscars are really my my yeah. favorite favorite. So Emmy sometimes I'm not like a vigilant every year watcher. I got to say it, I think the host honestly does kind of make me go this year I'll tune in to be honest. With Cedric the I feel like he's kind of campy sometimes. He is. I mean, it's kind of like you got to know what Cedric the Entertainer era you were in, like <laughs> his super raw early stand up like I watched a lot as a kid. Um, my dad's a big fan, and so I, I think he's going to have that middle ground of uh, family-friendly now, humor aspect, like making fun, because he's in the mix of actors, he's kind of yeah. not, you know, so I think he'll be entertaining more than I think the late-night show hosts that are Emmy. He better be hosts, entertaining, I think. that's part of his name. Like a I Jimmy mean. Kimmel, like, I don't know. Jimmy Kimmel's just classic, he, it kind of gets stale because it's so classic and it's what you expect every time but then you kind of appreciate him when you get to a lesser host who you're like oh crap i really wish jimmy kimmel type was here so we'll see how cedric the entertainer works i'm intrigued to uh to see him go uh and i'll be ridiculing him to the end if uh if he's terrible and i don't like it i have no doubt that that's what you'll be doing and i will be prepping him up so let's see if we cancel each other out <laughs> Now, a lot of shows got discussed. A lot of people got some, you know, a lot of nominations. Do you have any stats on that? Yeah, so the top nominees for this year, a little surprising to me, 24 nominations for The Crown, which I hear everybody raves about, as well as 24 nominations for The Mandalorian. Mm-hmm. Kind of a curveball on that one. And then second and third places were WandaVision with 23 nominations and then Ted Lasso with 20 nominations. The other thing I kind of noted is that Netflix has been a big player in this game, like the TV game and their own original content for quite a few years now, but they have never won kind of the the top Emmy prize of the best drama series, right? They're always kind of going for that. And this year they have the crown. They have best drama series available. Pandemic, a lot of shows didn't uh, go through with production this year. I think they have a pretty good chance to finally take home their first their first win in best drama. I mean, I think this year's Emmys is basically the war of the streaming platforms because <laughs> actual channels, whatever those are these days, um, weren't able to you know perform in the way that the streaming platforms were during when everything was kind of shut down. So I think they kind of have the edge. I mean, used to laugh at them being mentioned, and now it's they're the majority. So I think now talking about streaming platforms, who do you think is the least producing? Who do you what streaming platform do you think is just not well not keeping up? Well, this is kind of tough, right? Because there's the major ones. You have Netflix. You have HBO. Max, you have Hulu, you have Amazon, or probably, and Disney Plus. Those are like kind of the, was that core five? Yeah. 
Are you accounting for like Paramount Plus and like just no, like okay. I'm Hulu, Star, Showtime. That's what I'm thinking. Okay, of. I think Stars is probably at the at the very bottom mm-hmm. end. I think you have to put HBO Max towards the top. Yep. Um, HBO content is just always good. There's always a top show out every single week, no matter what time of year. Netflix is consistent, but I think like they're more of a more of a volume play and less of a quality yes, play. Yeah, they're trying to put out as much as they can to see what gets in. Yeah. It's all about refining their algorithm so that they can just draw in more people to watch more of the hence, original content. Hence the new dating show with furries. So, you know, they're really trying to reach every uh, crevice of type of person. So. And I, I think Amazon is starting to get there. They got a couple really good shows. Hulu is is a weird one for me. I, I haven't found a ton on Hulu. There's kind of like three, four shows I watch. But it's like, eh, Hulu costs a little more than I think it's worth right now. But maybe if they can keep developing kind of those shows going forward yeah. and they move up the ranks. I think I'd put Hulu a little higher than in your esteem than you're saying. I mean, Handmaid's Tale, as we'll get into, up, up consistently. And how many <laughs> seasons has it been on now? Quite a few. So... I think they just don't have the volume, and I think Apple TV's on the lower end, even with Ted Lasso being a huge one this year, because they just don't have enough yet to really meet everyone at. I mean, I, I know a lot of people that do not watch a single show on Apple that's, TV. That's a good point. I think Apple TV is still developing their catalog. They really went out and tried to get a lot of heavy hitters, a lot of big stars, big directors for some of these initial shows to launch their platform. And I think it was a smart business move by them. If you bought an Apple product, you got it. I think there's, I don't know if they're still doing it, but a year free of Apple TV Plus. So I bought my Mac, I got a year free. Oh, I'm never gonna watch this. Oh, guess what? I watched all of the good shows on there and now they're gonna be charging me $5.99 next month because I need to watch Ted Lasso when it comes that out. That is exactly where I'm at. My iPhone is a year old now yep. and they were like, you owe us pennies and I am giving them coins because <laughs> I need to watch Ted Lasso. It's about to come out, so. they It's it's almost like they planned that once <laughs> our did. year ran up, Ted Lasso would come out. <laughs> like, come yeah. on. Shout out to Dickinson too, but I, I'm totally with there's definitely, as you can see, the top contenders of streaming and maybe the ones that need to get to the drawing board. I think you're going to see in uh, two, three years, though, Apple's going to make such a big push at this because they're going to try to be forcing out the likes of Netflix with quality programming over the quantity they're like we're gonna bring in uh like the morning show you have a ton of big name actors and actresses steve carell um julia roberts and was it reese, reese witherspoon reese witherspoon on jennifer that. aniston jennifer aniston yeah. is who i meant not julia roberts yeah. my bad <laughs> put some respect on her name yep wow geez all right and then uh was it billy uh i just can't remember her name to save my life today billy corbin is it um isn't he nope. the Smashing Pumpkin? Uh-oh. Well, you know what? Well, I'm not going to cut any of this out. I'll figure out the name later on. But they're what I'm saying is they're bringing in a lot of big-name actors to try to push these shows. And I think once they can kind of develop who their audience is, they're going to be able to formulate shows towards their audience and push that forward. Like uh, the show C, that's got Jason Momoa. The only reason I mentioned that is because I remembered who his name was, so I gotta, oh, yeah, gotta <laughs> remember. <laughs> gotta get your props back. Yeah, I think... 
I think that's right. I think Apple went into it like star-based, not yeah. quality of show-based, and they're seeing the drawbacks with that. So I think you have to have both, and Netflix does. Yeah, for sure. All right, you ready to get into these nominations? we got quite a few to get through. Yeah, let's cruise on through these babies. All right, I'll start. Are you ready? Outstanding lead actor in a limited series or TV movie. Oh, you are starting at the bottom end and then moving on up to the big ones. I like your style. All right, so the lead actors in a limited series or movie, we have Paul Bettany in WandaVision, Hugh Grant in The Undoing, Ewan McGregor in Halston, Lin-Manuel Miranda in Hamilton, and Leslie Odom Jr. in Hamilton. A shameful admission, I've never seen Hamilton. Are you a musical guy? Not a big musical guy, but we do have access to a Disney Plus login, and I still haven't watched it. What was the last musical you've seen? Uh, I don't, you're gonna have to give me some musicals here. Am I gonna? <laughs> oh, does Pitch Perfect no, count? Does Pitch no. Perfect count? <laughs> okay, yikes. All right, so that knocks out the two for you. So, who do you got for this one? Well, for this one, since I've only seen The Undoing in WandaVision, <laughs> uh, honestly, I didn't think Hugh Grant was that great in The Undoing. The Undoing was a, a good, fun show for a few weeks there on HBO Max. WandaVision was fun on Disney Plus. But I didn't think it was the best thing they've done. So I I don't know if I can really give them the nod. By name recognition and what I hear everybody else say, I feel like it's got to be Lin-Manuel Miranda. But since I haven't seen it, I defer to you. <laughs> so I've seen everything but The Undoing. And I'm going to go with Leslie Odom Jr. and Hamilton. Uh, Lin-Manuel Miranda, obviously creator of Hamilton, starred in Hamilton. But to me, it was... Leslie Odom Jr.'s performance that was so good in it. I mean, he had the villain role, not spoiler, because now we have to watch the movie together. I loved it. Jeez, spoiler alert, Leslie Odom Jr.'s a, a villain, okay. Yeah, I mean, history also will spoil you, so maybe don't look into history. <laughs> I just knew American <laughs> yeah, history. Don't look into American history, too, if you don't want to get spoiled on this musical about it. So, yeah, I'm going to go with that. Ewan McGregor, Halston was very uh, centric and interesting, but... What was that about? That was about the fashion designer, Halston, how he was, oh. like, super popular back in the 80s, and then kind of his slow decline, and he kind of played this, like, eccentric gay guy, and he... Seems like a weird made, role for Ewan McGregor. Kept making mistakes. Oh, no. Have you seen that movie he played with Jimmy Car Jim Carrey? Jimmy Carrey. Jim, you know, good old Jimmy. Sorry, we're Jimmy on that Carrey. level. Jim Carrey, where they're like convicts in love and they like break out of prison. And oh, We watch in... different movies. We watch <laughs> okay, very okay, different okay, movies. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I just watch movies with a common thread. But uh, yeah, so it was a good movie. Netflix, I just didn't think it was a great movie. And Leslie Odom Jr. was phenomenal singer, phenomenal acting. So uh, Billy Crudup is who I was thinking for oh, the morning okay, show. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> not the not Smashing it. Pumpkins lead singer? No, not okay. at all. <laughs> great actor. Probably the best part of the morning show TV show, by the way. All right. Next category we got up is lead actress in a limited series or movie. This one we'll read through, but really it's no contest, right? It's Michael. Uh, oh, it's lead actress. How do you say that name? I have Michaela. not. Michaela. Michaela. Uh, yeah. and nope. I may destroy you. Cynthia Urivo and Genius Aretha. Elizabeth Olsen and Wandavision. Anya Taylor Joy and The Queen's Gambit. Ding ding ding. Kate Winslet in Mayor of Easttown. I may have been a little biased in my reading of those, but what are your thoughts? This is a tough one, and I have two that I go back and forth with for this. 
I'm not ready to solidify until we're there yet. You're going to go between I May Destroy You and The Queen's Gambit. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. I it's mean, Anya Taylor-Joy. She was <laughs> phenomenal. Emma Kayla just got uh, put into the new Black Panther, which just announced that she's going to be in that. I mean, she Ooh. wrote it. She starred in it. It was a heartbreaking show. It was so good. Uh, British actress. I've seen her um, in a few other things on Netflix, too. But The Queen's Gambit. Oh, my God. I love it so much. So I need time to ponder on this one. But I'm between those two. Uh, and you haven't watched Mare of Easttown, right? I've not. That's on my list. It's very good. Uh, Kate Winslet is amazing in it. But Anya Taylor-Joy just kind of bringing you back to that time. Like, I really just fell into her character. Like, the actress didn't matter at all. It was just like, this is the character in this show. And the it could have been whoever playing it because she played it so well. You just get so immersed in the film. Kate Winslet does something similar in Mare of Easttown. But it's, it's still Kate Winslet. Like, I can still tell I don't fully lose myself in the role like I do with Anya Taylor-Joy in The Queen's Gambit. So I'd have to go with that with lead actress in a limited series. Okay, all right. We'll have to see where we land. But a lot of good actresses. We need to make uh, mobile betting legalized in New York State so we can bet on the Emmys, right? Oh, I'm a little worried for that because <laughs> you know how hard in the paint I go on betting, sports betting. <laughs> Got a little too into it. Anywho. <laughs> All right. Next one. Outstanding lead actor in a comedy series. All right. So we have Anthony Anderson in Blackish, Michael Douglas in The Comiskey Method, Mike or William H. Macy in Shameless, Jason Sudeikis in Ted Lasso, and Keenan Thompson in Keenan. That seems like a bit of a curveball to me. Have I haven't Kenan? seen Keenan, but I love Keenan Thompson, and I have a feeling I'm going to like it. The problem with sometimes nominees where they it's several seasons in, it's hard to kind of keep that momentum. That's how I feel about William H. Macy. And I'm a little bummed at how they ended Shameless. So, so I will tell you, I love Shameless. I did not watch the last two seasons yet. Oh, okay. All right. So I'll have to get on that. But that's one of those, like you said, they're in seasons, what, nine and ten? Yeah. He's not going to win it. I think you're probably looking at Jason Sudeikis. Yes. The Ted Lasso hype is so high right now. And he plays such an infectious character. Yes. It's just, it's tough not to root for Jason Sudeikis. Yeah, this. I'm going to go with him as well right now. Yep. I feel that. All right, next. Outstanding lead actress in a comedy series. So we have Gene Smart and Hacks, Kaylee Kyoko. Am I saying that right? In the Kaylee flight Kyoko. Kyoko. In The Flight Attendant, Tracy Ellis Ross in Blackish, Edie Bryant in Shrill, and Allison Janney in Mom. So, I have watched The Flight Attendant. I've seen some Blackish, but I, I've, I think I've only seen, like, what, an episode or two. And I've seen a couple episodes of Hacks. Hacks looks like it's got some promise. The first couple episodes, I was like, yeah, this might not be my real style of comedy, but I'm going to keep watching that. That seems like it may may kind of come around on me and really hit it home. Kaylee Kyoko and The Flight Attendant was good. That was a very... Did you watch that one? No. It was a very weird show because it's kind of like a dramedy. It's a whodunit, but framed in a comedy, kind of serious. It's kind of like, what are they trying to do? Which is one of the reasons I liked it because you mm -hmm. didn't know exactly where it was going. And she was solid, but I I don't think she's lead actress Emmy, Emmy winning solid, you know? All right. Well, who do you think then? Well, since I haven't seen Mom or Shrill... I'd have to go with Gene Smart and Hacks. Okay. I haven't watched the finale of Hacks, but I've seen all 
nine or ten episodes so far, and it is hilarious. I still think it's in the early set of a mm-hmm. first season where they're kind of getting their stride, but there were some episodes that had me cracking up. I, Tracy Ellis Ross doing anything is perfection. She's hilarious. Uh, my favorite Blackish episode is when she's keeps getting caught looking like she's poor in a rich neighborhood, and she has to keep impressing the neighbor, <laughs> but she actually keeps looking worse off. Um, Aidy Bryant is my pick, though, for Shrill. Um, Aidy Bryant, of course, this is her own show she created and starring in it, and it's fantastic. Is she the one from uh, Saturday Night Live? Yeah, she's yeah. from Saturday Night Live. It's just great to see... First of all, SNL has had some, you know, hit or misses when they leave SNL, um, for sure. But Aidy Bryant, this is just a show. It's so relatable, especially as uh, one fat girl to another. It's so good watching her just, like, live her life and, like, people do that. Um, it's funny. It's serious. She has a great cast. I mean, I got to go for Aidy Bryant in this. All right. That's, that's fair. I will trust you on that one since... Uh... I have not fully watched any of those shows yet. <laughs> On Which, Hulu. When we started prepping for this podcast, I did start putting more things in my queue. Like, I need to at least watch, give these shows a shot if they're being nominate, nominated for the Emmys. So when they do have the Emmys shown, we can actually react maybe in real time on our thoughts after watching most of the shows. Probably not all, but most of them. All right. So our next is Outstanding Lead Actor in a Drama Series. So for this category, we have a ton of really good actors that I've actually seen a good chunk of these these shows, so I may actually have a decent amount of input on this. We have Sterling K. Brown from This Is Us. We have Jonathan Majors from Lovecraft Country, one of your faves. Mm-hmm. We have Josh O'Connor from The Crown, one of everybody's faves. Uh, we have, uh, I can't pronounce his name, I try every freaking time, but is it... Reggae Jean Page. I'm sure that you are butchering that, but I could not from Bridgerton, you. and I have watched Bridgerton, and he was very good in it. Billy Porter from Pose, and Matthew Reese from Perry Mason. So for me, uh, this is us is great. I do watch it every week with my wife. It's a good show. It's very well done. Sterling K. Brown is amazing in it. Um, it's been on for a few seasons. It seems like he's probably not going to win. I at believe he's a previous winner, too. Oh, I assume yeah. so, because when that show first came on, it kind of was like a big deal. Bridgerton was a big deal for Netflix when it came on, and he was amazing in it. And the big thing was he became kind of a really big star from the show. And now he's not going to be on for season two, which is causing a bit of controversy. Um, and I said I've seen a lot of these, but I clearly lied because I've not seen Lovecraft Country, Pose, or Perry Mason. All right. So you've watched uh, two. Okay. Yeah, my bad. <laughs> so I'm going to have to go for my pick, Jonathan Majors, Lovecraft Country, of course. Uh, HBO getting my Swarly of the Week last week because Lovecraft Country was phenomenal. I still hope it'll get picked up. And he was great in it. I mean, great. Billy Porter, Love Pose. Um, I have not seen Perry Mason, though. And Bridgerton, I tried to watch. The Crown, I should already be watching it. I know. Any friends listening, I know I should already have been watching Same. it, but I haven't. You know, one of the reasons I want to watch The Crown is because everybody tells me if you watch The Crown, you're going to become one of the people that sits there with the whiskey glass and just sits there and sips the whiskey glass as you watch it because that's just what they do in the entire episode. So maybe I'll start uh, watching that at some point. 
spent in the queue for a very long time. What is Lovecraft Country actually about? Lovecraft, the writer, um, H.P. Lovecraft, mm-hmm. of course, had the uh, Kraken, you know, the uh, creature. So it's like monster. He had that mo- tragic life story. But he had a lot of the monster, the... Um, I forget the name of his main creature. But the, the story is kind of this, like... They don't, you know... Fantasy? I, I'm trying to say... It's, <laughs> it's, it's all over the place, the episodes. Like, they're that very, so like... <laughs> The mon basically like there's a, a hereditary line of like being able to see monsters and like supernatural type stuff and it's kind of like these friends turned romantic interests and you're kind of following him discovering like his family line and all these like supernatural elements and it's all kind of set in Lovecraft's like kind of monster esque world. It's very good. It's very good. Right, I don't know if you'll love it because there, there is a horror element. I will say it's more mystery thriller than I would say horror. But As you were describing, I lost all interest in watching it. So Well, it wasn't the best descriptor of the show, <laughs> but I mean, it got a lot of nominations, so clearly it's, it's up there. So, all right, yeah. Well, what do we got next, Kayla? All right. So, wait, did you say your pick for that one? Yeah. Who'd you say? I said the Bridgerton guy. Oh, okay. I just right. didn't want to butcher his name. <laughs> oh, okay. 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 All right. So next we have the outstanding lead actress in a drama series. Yeah. So we have Uzu Aduba in In Treatment. We have Olivia Coleman in The Crown. We have Emma Corrin in The Crown. We have Elizabeth Moss in The Handmaid's Tale. We have MJ Rodriguez in Pose. And we have Jernay Smollett from Lovecraft Country. All right. So this just... Shows me, number one, The Crown is going to cannibalize itself. It's got dual nominations in a ton of categories. They're going to cannibalize each other, and they're not going to win a lot. This also points out to me that I watch a ton of TV, but clearly I don't watch a ton of the right TV. I mean, to be fair, I tell you that all the time. Well, I tell you that all the time because you haven't <laughs> well, watched any of the really good What is right, You clearly. also haven't seen The Crown or Pose, so let's... I've watched every episode of Pose, so correct yourself. I've not seen The Crown, I will admit to that, but I've seen all the rest of these, so how about that? Hmm? In hmm? my face, all right? I guess I'll just shut up now and you can Thank do the podcast you. by yourself the rest well, of the Well, I've been waiting for this moment. I can't believe it took this many episodes. So, MJ Rodriguez for Pose. Huge history fact... <laughs> Really? <laughs> Huge history fact. First trans woman to be nominated. She is phenomenal in Pose. I hope that she wins. Elizabeth Moss, Close Socket, Hammy's Tale. Alyssa, we talk about how a show can have multiple seasons and it starts to die off in popularity. Elizabeth Moss is giving it every season. It is just the most dramatic acting that I've seen. And it's just, it, it's close. But I got to go with MJ on this one. Uh, shout out to Olivia Coleman too. I think she's she's in contention too. All right. So uh, next we're gonna go with top limited series. Top limited series. We have the you options. Mean outstanding limited series. Yeah. Well, that's they're all outstanding. Like, oh, okay. It's okay. Outstanding nice. actor okay. in a drama. Outstanding I was just going actor. with actual title, but okay. Well, yeah, but the, <laughs> the main difference here is limited series. Okay. Your, uh, your nominees are I May Destroy You, mm-hmm. Mayor of Easttown, The Queen's Gambit, The Underground Railroad, and WandaVision. Um, first note is I think WandaVision's out of its league here. Yeah. Yeah. 
I have to agree with that. <laughs> I mean, otherwise, it was such a great show, but it just does not stand in this limited series, I gotta say. So, I'm just gonna say my pick, The Queen's Gambit. I 100% agree with you. And uh, Mare of Easttown was good. I still haven't seen I May Destroy You or The Underground Railroad. But I was such a fan of The Queen's Gambit. We've talked about it so many times that it's just got to take it home. Yeah, I mean, shout out to I May Destroy You and The Underground Railroad. So good. Um, but, yeah, I'm going to go with The Queen's Gambit on this. So, all right. Next up is Outstanding Comedy Series. It's going to be Blackish. Cobra Kai, Emily in Paris, <laughs> Hacks, thank you. If I couldn't make the noise, I'm glad you did. The Flight Attendant, The Kaminsky Method, Pen15, and Ted Lasso. What so, do you think? So I just, I watched the preview for Emily in Paris and maybe like five minutes in, I'm like, this looks like the worst TV show I've ever seen in my entire life. And that has been verified through Twitter. And Twitter always tells the truth. That's true. Everything on the internet is true. That's true. Uh, Hacks, like I said, I'm still working through that. Pretty solid. The Flight Attendant, good. I would not give it an Emmy win, though. I think it was still kind of finding its footing. Maybe season two. Cobra Kai, I've heard so much about it. It's on YouTube TV, but I've never actually watched it. Have you watched that one? I have. And listen, I was not a Karate Kid fan. I mean, you're an 80s baby, but I am not. So <laughs> I I watched it later in life. Um, Cobra Kai is hilarious. It kind of knows itself as in like bringing back these characters from the movie. So that they poke fun at themselves as like these old karate like guys, but it's so funny. It's also on Netflix right now and solely on Netflix. Oh, um, okay. So you can watch all this. There's two seasons, two or three, three, I think, on um, Netflix, but it's good. Emily in Paris, I feel like it's nominated for being unintentionally a comedy because. Like you said, Twitter dumped on it yeah. hard. Yeah. Yeah, I think uh, Cobra Kai, I, I'm glad you said that because, like, if I am so much more in on a show if they actually are in on the joke themselves and they're not, like, trying to be serious and everybody's making fun of it, but they're like, all right, we're being intentionally a little ridiculous in these points. So I'm a little more intrigued to watch it now. Yeah, I think, I actually do think you'll like it because it's kind of like, it's gritty, it's funny. I mean, it's these, as you know, the movie, these warrantines, yeah. uh, you know, and they're karate gangs and now they're adults with real lives and some are better off than others and it they still harbor that animosity and it, it's funny. I, I definitely recommend. So I'm going to have to go with Ted Lasso on this one. Um, Hex and Cobra Kai getting a special shout out for me. Yeah, I think Ted Lasso is just going to be kind of a runaway winner. It just drew the entire attention of really America, right? In the time when it came out, it came out during a pandemic. Everybody was kind of probably a little depressed, couldn't go out, couldn't do a lot of things. They're home a lot. And Ted Lasso was kind of a show that was just infectiously fun, and uplifting and oh wow i can sit down for 30 minutes and watch this and just feel good it was such a feel-good show with no real real like undertones of animosity or we got to get to this other plot line the main plot line yeah okay there she's trying to screw over her squad and everything but it doesn't take away from jason sudeikis and how well he plays just this great personality of ted lasso Absolutely, and I, I really think that 
you know, Ted Lasso's this, right, sincerely nice guy to the point where the other people on the show look at him like there's no way he's this nice and he just is and they kind of win him over. And we as an audience are kind of like making fun at Ted Lasso in the beginning because we're like, he's so naive. But really like... Wow, being nice like is nice to watch when everything seems terrible outside of the yeah. show. <laughs> I, I think I binged the whole season with my wife one night because we were watching. We we're like, I like it's making me happy to watch the show. Yes, like, yeah. Most shows, it's like, who did it? Oh my gosh, what's gonna happen? What did the murderer do? What are we like? Or you hate watch something like The Bachelor, Bachelorette, and it's just like this show. You watch it and you just have a smile on your face at the end. You're like, oh, that was fun. Okay, let's yeah, watch another. 100%. I can't wait for the new season to drop in a few days. Yeah, I'm excited. All right, so next we have... We have Outstanding Drama Series next. And this is a pretty kind of loaded category. We have This Is Us, Pose, The Mandalorian, Lovecraft Country... The Handmaid's Tale. Kayla's giving me a weird look. I don't see This Is Us on Outstanding Drama Series. Uh, you should probably look it up on the Emmys. Okay. Look it up right now. <laughs> All right, you keep going. Keep I'm going. just saying because if I screwed up, it'd be great for content. <laughs> um, the Crown, Bridgerton, and The Boys from Amazon mm. Prime. What have a curveball. Have you seen The Boys? Yes, and I really liked it. It was... Uh, the Boys was a superhero adaptation for like real life but like rough and gritty and kind of gory version of it like these guys get so much praise as being the superheroes they get away with whatever they want with no repercussions it's kind of a different side and i think it's a really cool concept to do and amazon prime i think pulled it off pretty well the actors actresses performed well in it it's a good show it's a fun show it's a little tough to watch because sometimes it can be kind of overly gory or over the top at times. But but I was a fan. I would recommend at least checking out a few episodes. Yeah, I think of all of the nominees in this category, I'm going to have to go with Lovecraft Country, Poses in the Mix. Uh, this is the final season now. Yeah, I'm between those two and Handmaid's Tale, man. God, I love Handmaid's Tale. You really so need you're to get between on half it. of the half. Listen, of the it's picks. early. We got some time here, so I, I need to take some time. You know, it's a big deal. This yeah, is the Emmys. <laughs> this is a tough one. I really like The Mandalorian. Not enough to win the Emmy. No. I'll have to. I don't know if I'm going to watch Lovecraft Country, but I I will watch The Handmaid's Tale at some point, even though it's. Seems super depressing and sad, but also awesome. You might need to alternate a season of that than Ted Lasso. Yeah. yeah to yeah. maybe keep you on the up and up. Uh, maybe I might need to watch a season of Ted Lasso for every episode of Handmaid's Tale. That may be the breakdown. <laughs> that sounds accurate. Uh, but Bridgerton was really good. The Boys was good. This Is Us is always good. Um, I don't know. The ones I've seen, I'd probably give it to Bridgerton. Really? Yeah, but again, I haven't seen The Crown or The Handmaid's Tale or Lovecraft Country. But I'd give it to Bridgerton over The Mandalorian and The Boys and This Is Us. Okay. So right. kind of a curveball, but it kind of okay. caught me in. Like it took probably two episodes, but then once I got kind of hooked, I was all in on it. 
Okay, all right. Also, did you look up, is this is us uh, part Your of it? Your internet is very slow, so I mean, nothing I'd love than to admit you're wrong and how much I would hate to admit I'm wrong. So. <laughs> or admit that I'm so right. So having it, like, kind of stuck between <laughs> abilities is very funny right now. So, I mean, it's we're just... both right. This is Schrodinger's cat, right? So we're both <laughs> not wrong if it's not loading. <laughs> uh, is that how that works? Um, well, I just have uh, the site up right now, and it says This Is Us is nominated. So I win, you lose. I'm still waiting for these. Fo- I, I need to see it from uh, the site, Okay, my, so my internet see. is not as good as her internet, even though she's three <laughs> Thank feet Thank you, from me. yeah. So, I mean, really, I'm the biggest winner still. So. <laughs> so those are kind of the main nominations for the Emmys this year. Obviously, there's a lot more sound mixing, um, supporting actors, actresses. We only have an hour to go through. Kayla wanted to go through every single one and also get to a review of Black Widow. And she wanted to do that all within an hour. And I told her that would be a three-hour podcast. So, uh, Fair enough. That's but I still good. would like to do that. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe when we do the actual Emmy review, like once the Emmys happen, we can break down everything or do like a legit every single category review at some point but we got to fit in black widow here so to close out the emmys talk here kayla who are your biggest snubs you know it's gotta be i have a few i would also have to give a shout out to television movie which had uncle frank on amazon prime as a contender because that was a beautiful movie um, not seen it yeah i highly recommend it's very sad and heartfelt but it was very good uh Snub, It's a Sin on HBO didn't get nominated, and it was a fantastic limited series show. Um, It's kind of set in the height of the AIDS pandemic with um, kids, like teenagers. They're in, like, college, and it's, it's... queer it's it's sad it's there's a lot of comedy in it it's very hard subject matter to you know there's been many movies done right all of them usually bring you out in tears but this had a lot of like it painted a picture right because it's it there's sadness of course but there is lives being lived so there was humor there was friendship there was like joking about it there was you know keeping in spirit there was like the the pain of being sexually freer than ever and then also like having this Mm -hmm. disease happen at the same time um girls five ever on nbc tina fey's show got nothing great show i really think it'll be up next year well you're saying these are snubs but like uh what would you replace them with limited series i assume you maybe get rid of wandavision in order for it to send who's to say we need to get rid of i say nomination i say these should be nominated yeah i think girls five ever hilarious um, I didn't watch The Undoing, but I did see Nicole Kidman did not get nominated. Only Hugh Grant, so that's interesting. So I am not a big Nicole Kidman fan. I like the show The Undoing. She, I don't know if it's her acting style. I just can't stand it. She seems so kind of stiff and fake to me most of the time mm-hmm. that I I just can't really deal with it. I liked her in um, uh, that other HBO yeah, show. Yeah, but you know I hate What's-Her-Name in it. Yeah. You know that was painful for me. <laughs> Not Shailene that Wood. Shailene, Shailene Woodley, Woodley, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah that big uh, big little eyes. Yeah, right, she's yeah. an actress, Eminem number one. Um, yeah, okay, all right. I didn't watch it, so I couldn't say, but I did see that she, clearly she didn't impress anyone if she didn't I, nominate I wasn't a big fan of her role in that, no. 
Um, Thuso, Mabedo, Underground Railroad, she did not get nominated. And Full Frontal with Samantha Bee didn't get nominated. That's kind of a snub since only the male late night host. And I didn't think they did anything spectacular to, you know, be nominated more than Samantha Bee. They are all doing similar coverage. I mean, I, I just didn't really get that. But what about you? Any I didn't list? Uh, yeah, so Mythic Quest for comedy series on Apple TV. Okay. I just binged through Mythic Quest recently. So good. And they incorporated the pandemic as well as I've seen any show do. Instead of just doing kind of a PSA of the pandemic, they actually made episodes as they were in the pandemic. You know, it's like, okay, Ooh. we are all Zooming each other and the episode is produced as we're Zooming each other having conversations. And they pulled it off, I think, as well as you could have. Absolutely great creatively, super funny. If you haven't watched Mythic Quest, I'd say give it a shot. It's basically following these people that are creating this crazy uh, role-playing game. You know, kind oh, of like, I like those kind of like a, games, a dungeon, yeah. Dungeons and Dragons type video game that is just world encompassing. I think you'd like it, Kayla. All right, all of that to list. Any others? Uh, the Undoing, a little bit, but. Not for actor or actress, maybe for drama series. Um, Succession and Billions, I love. However, uh, with the pandemic, they did not finish production, so they weren't up for the season. I think Succession would have been kind of my first choice for drama series if it actually did release on time. And then I'd say maybe lead actress for Bridgerton. Uh, what is it? Phoebe Denevere. I, mm. I can't pronounce names at all. She was really good in it. Um, but that's really all I have for snubs. Yeah, I mean, whatever could be out was kind of nominated for the most part. But, you know, it's, it's hard to encompass everyone. But I definitely think there were some that should have been, you know, in the mix for sure. Uh, a reminder, of course, to our listeners that the Emmys take place on September 19th. On CBS, we will recap our thoughts on the winners and losers then, as well as pick our final picks and let you guys know who's going to win. Me. All right, so time for our movie review, and we are current. That's right, we watched Black Widow together in a movie theater. It's been quite some time that we were able to do that, but what a great movie. A lot of fun, as we've said quite a few times. I love going to movie theaters, getting some popcorn, hanging out, nice comfortable chairs, hanging out with a best friend. And the best part, I think, of the movie is right after the movie, we both stand up and go, what did you think? What do you think? Yes. You know, and it's immediately we're doing a review. We should just record that. We should, you know, live in the movie theater for sure. That may be illegal. (laughs) Okay, yeah, touche. We're not getting arrested for this. All right, initial thoughts. What did you think of the film, Justin? I really liked it. Um, I thought it it was it was creative. It hit a lot of different time frames. Uh, it takes place right after Civil War. Uh, is that Captain America Civil War? Yep. Which, by the way, I watched for the first time this past weekend after I watched what? Black Widow. Okay. So that made a lot more sense to me after <laughs> watching Black Widow. Um, I re- I love Scar Jo. She's just amazing. So I may be a little biased with that. But I think they did a really good job. They kind of stuck to the storyline. It was a little kind of campy and over the top at points. But the dynamic between ScarJo and Florence Pugh 
was amazing. Florence Pugh is a, is awesome. Like she is just top notch. As ScarJo's young Black Widow's younger sister was just on top of her game and really added that extra layer to the movie that kept me engaged. Where there was a little bit of a comedic undertone to it where she just kept it going and it was believable enough like that's how sisters would interact like just shit on each other occasionally that i i really enjoyed the dynamic that they did however the after the final credits scene i was like yeah maybe we could have just ended it right after the thing was that necessary in there but we don't need to get into that right now do you remember what I said after we saw the movies? I said... There were no flaws there were no and you loved flaws. everything. Yeah. And you know what? I loved it so much I saw it twice. I saw it with you and I saw it with my little sister, which was an interesting dynamic too, watching a movie about sisters with my sister. Um, there are definitely some things I missed the first time too. Like the beginning scene, it was easier to see young Natasha like being aware of who she was. Yep. I didn't get that the first time of her like being sad that she was going to leave. Um, same for, um, like her pains of leaving Ohio and her sister. And then the scene with Molina and Natasha switching faces was interesting the second time around, knowing that twist. Um, I could kind of see like how it did seem like they kind of changed, even though it's the same actors. Yeah. I got to like in the beginning when they are escaping from the U S you can tell Natasha's like, all right, like I kind of know what's going on because Rachel Weiss's character, which, by the way, she's amazing. So any movie she's in is always good. Just kind of turns to her at the dinner table and is just like, I'm sorry. Like, we have to go. Clearly kind of getting that dynamic across. Hey, I know you know what's happening. You know, I know you know. I don't care. It's hap- my bad. But we got to do this in order to survive. And it's just kind of like the defeat in both of their eyes. It's like... This sucks. I can't believe we're doing this. I don't want to do this, but we have to do this to survive. Is right. was a pretty cool, cool kind of scene. I just despise the face removing scenes. Like this isn't face off. Like come on, we it's just removing faces, putting on other. Like yeah, we could go without that. Find another way. That's bullshit. Kayla's just staring at me blankly. Uh, well, listen, shout out to ScarJo and Florence Pugh. Listen, I could do a eight-hour podcast on Florence Pugh and her remarkable films and how she's just destined for I challenge for you to do that for next episode. Uh, I, I could here. do it right now. <laughs> Midsummer alone would be a couple hours of, of beauty. So, listen, the when Natasha and Yolanda reunited, their dynamic to me carried the movie. Pretty much any scene with them together... I think the sister dynamic was really funny to watch. And, of course, watching it with my own little sister, probably about 20 minutes in, she's like, you're so Natasha. Um, Especially when she's just making, like, slide comments all the time at Florence P's excitement over something simple. I do that to Tia all the time. Or what about, like, in the very beginning when they were younger... And uh, Florence Pugh's character, like, falls down and scrapes her knee and, like, cries. And you can tell Natasha's like, ugh. Yeah, where she's like, <laughs> I've had, like, ten years at this point being, like, brutally yeah. psychologically conditioned. Like, you have no clue, little kid. <laughs> um, I think everyone knows that Scarlett Johansson can carry a film. It was never a question. However, it was a marvel because they just failed to believe that she could carry a film early on. 
Well, there is a ton of issues like with this Black Widow kind of spinoff. They were going to st- put this out. I think I what first time six seven years ago, and then it got delayed and delayed and delayed, and then it was going to be released. Then the pandemic, and then it got delayed and. And the way they released it this time is they released it in theaters, but also available for purchase through Disney+. Plus. So kind of uh, the new strategy we talked about before of these production companies on whether they're going to just release this in theaters, just do a release for a certain price on a different platform. They kind of nailed it with this one, doing the multiple methods, because they hit... 264 million box office opening weekend and 60 million on Disney Plus. Wow. It's 200 million dollar budget, big budget film, a lot of yeah. big actors, a lot of big A lot of a lot of, lot of CGI big, yeah. and uh <laughs> but I mean, that's kind of that's a pretty good ratio. That's not you're not hitting crazy numbers like you were pre-pandemic at 260 million, but for a Marvel movie, still good. Total you're at over 320 million really solid especially given the state of society today so. yeah and you know like we said it was it was a great film i think one of the biggest things that plagued this film is when it came out and not and i'm not talking about pandemic wise um i mean civil war came out in 2016 it was a 13th movie in release order where this is supposed to set stage um in actuality it's a 24th movie coming out yeah. Um, and she was introduced in 2010, Iron Man 2. In my opinion, this should have been the third Black Widow movie. Instead, they had to try to wrap up an entire years of comic book story in one movie when she's been predominant and had such an influence in the movies. It sucked to have to have a kind of fast-paced telling of her story. It was also sucked knowing that, of course, she dies in Endgame and you're kind of the danger aspect of it, you know that she survives in the end, so that kind of takes you out of it, and you're also not as invested because I know what's going to happen to her, and so it, it did kind of suck having that. And that's one of the, the reasons I didn't really like the after the credits scene um, is basically Florence Pugh's characters at Black Widow's grave, and Julia Louise Dreyfus shows up and is basically like, if you want to avenge your sister's death, go after this person. And it's a picture of Hawkeye. And if you watched Endgame, you know that Hawkeye and Black Widow were both basically fighting each other over who could sacrifice themselves for the greater good. They are both trying to sacrifice themselves so the other could survive. And it ended up with Black Widow basically saying, fuck you to Hawkeye. I'm dying so you can survive because you have a wife and kids and whatnot. Listen, I'm going to say something controversial right now. Uh Uh-oh. Clint should have died. Hawkeye should have died. Scarlett Johansson should have lived. Hawkeye had kids. They were snapped away. He had no guarantee they were coming back. He kind of had that whole went back into doing bad after he had kind of absolved his past. And so, no, boring. Hawkeye, what is he doing? You know, is there a Hawkeye movie yet? No, there isn't. Okay. Pos- there, there, was a hot Disney, girl. there was a Disney Plus TV series. Exactly. Uh-huh. Did you watch it? Mm-hmm. Now, nope. <laughs> Julia Lewis-Draper was a little shocking to me. and It was jarring having her on there. However, I did recently learn that she was in Winter Soldier, and you got... That was her introduction into the Marvel film. So, if you had watched Winter Soldier... On Disney Plus, it wouldn't have been a surprise seeing her in a Marvel movie and what she does, her character. 
um, hiring them or hiring the mm-hmm. new Captain America. So I think we kind of missed that connection there. I did watch Winter Soldier, but it was so lo- like I didn't make the connection in real time because I watched it once and it was a long time ago. So yeah, I, I did not make that connection as we were watching it. Yeah, or in she the was theater. in the TV show. Sorry, she was in the the um what's it called Winter Soldier or something. Oh okay, yeah, I haven't yeah, seen yeah, the yeah. TV yeah, show. Yeah, that's where like, she. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, I didn't mean the film. I meant the TV series. I was she was saying, introduced I, there. I was wondering if I missed something completely from the Winter Soldier no. movie. So, so for us, it was like, what is she doing in there? If you've watched the series, uh, Winter Falcon, excuse me, you wouldn't have been surprised seeing her and what she does, like paying out for hire. So clearly, um, Yelena gets with her for some sort of paid to hire thing. Um, honestly, I wish we could have, like I said, had more Black Widow films. I would have liked to have seen her early roots with the Red Room. They kind of like did this weird flashing arc of the torture and different stuff that happened, but, like, you were barely able to watch one clip, let alone others. Um, I know it was dark as hell, but they've shown darker stuff on, you know, the Avengers. And I will, I would have liked to have seen when she defected and came to S.H.I.E.L.D. and her friendship with Clint more. Like, a whole movie on of that, honestly, because I think the movie told us about it, finally told us what happened in Budapest. Uh, but I would have liked to have seen it. You know, like, in writer's terms, show, don't tell. Yeah. Um, it sucked watching the film knowing that she dies, like I said. So I would have rather have seen, you know, Clint such an important character to her. The whole reason why she, like, wants to do better and her ultimate sacrifice in Endgame was because of him, right? Not just him being there and having to be you or me, but because he showed her another way to be uh, when he spared her. And then, of course, in the Avengers movies, she saves him. So I wish we could have seen that instead of just tidbits, you know? Yeah, that makes sense, and I think that's kind of the the tough thing with just one movie. You're trying to fit way too much content into basically a two-hour window. I mean, this was a little over. It was two hours and 15 minutes, but if you have two movies, you can kind of have that beginning middle section, and then you can kind of have the majority of the movie that we saw as a second standalone movie where you introduce Florence Pugh, because it does seem like okay, we are introducing these younger side characters to take over the franchise for the next 10 years because guess what? Scar Joe and all these folks aren't going to be on board for doing Marvel movies for the rest of their lives. Yeah, it was a very obvious passing of the torch. I think they didn't at least limit Scar Joe from being like predominantly in the film, but it definitely was like, here's Florence Pugh's yeah. new Black Widow. Um, and really the last thing I'll say on it is... You know, if Iron Man and Thor could have some pretty bad early movies, I think Black Widow could have had a couple more before this one and only. So, hundred percent we'll should have. Did you have any like favorite scene that popped out? To Honestly, you? when they meet her and uh, Yelena meet, like, and they have that epic fight. The only thing I'll say <laughs> from a sister sister dynamic is, if in the movie we're to believe that they parted ways when Yelena was six. Right, and they didn't really say how old Natasha was. I'm guessing like, like 10, 12? 11, like yeah, okay. pre preteen, I would say. Um, to have that dynamic when she never went back to her, I'm gonna have to like read between the lines and think that they had interactions with each other before Natasha defected. Because how do you kind of have that like back and forth when you're six? I mean, would she has the photos of her that she holds on to, but would she, like, remember the dynamics seemed to be, like, almost effortless. They went right back into picking on each other and, like, you did this, I did that, but they were so young. So I'm just going to pretend in my fan fiction of what happened that they they had more interactions when they were in the Red Room. 
Yeah, that's, I, I I think they want you to kind of assume assume that they had some type of uh, additional bonding going through that experience together that they just didn't show in the film. Maybe is the assumption yes. they're trying to make. Yeah, I guess. I guess. That we'll, well, I mean, that all we can do is speculate. Yeah, and I, I do love, and I'm sure everybody does, when she just calls her out on all like the landings and moves. Like, really, you're just posing for the camera, when you and land. then she does it. She's like, Ugh. yeah. <laughs> or uh, I think one of the best scenes or funniest scenes was when she's got the clothes on in the car, and she goes, "Do you like my new vest? Yeah, there's so many pockets. Isn't it awesome?" And then when I went back in Endgame and saw that Natasha's wearing it the whole movie, it does add a little tender moment. Yeah. And to speak on the end of the end credit thing too. A lot of people complained that it was kind of a sad moment where she was at the tombstone and then it kind of took you out of it with Julia's presence. Yeah. But I thought it was good. I hope she kills Hawkeye. How about that? Eh, well, I'm fine. Yeah. I'll root for her over <laughs> Hawkeye for sure. Yeah. Last question on the film, Kayla. Okay. Any crazy issues or things that you think just didn't make sense in the film? Any nitpicks per se? <sighs> nitpicks. Oh, yeah. Like, I think the sister dynamic, like I said, if we mm-hmm. can only go off of what they told us, it's the fact that I don't believe they would have that connection only knowing each other for three years and she was only six when they left. Um... And then, too, this, the guy that was helping her get all these things, like the, the plane yeah. and the, and he would just sleep and then disappear. What was his deal? I mean, he, he literally was only there to give them things because it wouldn't make sense that Natasha would have connections while on the run and Tony and the rest of the Avengers are locked up or hating her for what she did. Um, I, that's it? I don't know. I wonder if they're trying to kind of uh, like put him in the spot where he'll come up in a later movie at some point as like the the man you go to for anything you need. Maybe that was kind of like setting the stage for a future item. Who knows? Yeah, he also plays the husband in Handmaid's Tale and is kind of a drip. So it was a little jarring seeing him in this funny, nice role, knowing how he's in the Handmaid's Tale. But oh, yeah. So I, that, I think that's it for me. For me, uh, just a couple ones here. ScarJo, she takes off, or she's changing her shirt or something at one point. She's really bruised up. <laughs> yep. Um, this girl has fallen from everywhere. She's been beaten down. She's been battered. How does she not have, like, six broken ribs? How has she not just got scrapes and blood gushing out of every part of her being? Instead, she's got a handful of bruises along her back, and it's tough for her to walk. Listen, they say the fifth character in Sex and the City is New York City. The fifth character in Black Widow is the fact that pretty much this movie, Natasha gets beat up, like, thrown everywhere. She just gets her ass kicked the entire film. Yeah, absurd. And then my biggest gripe with the movie, and I'm going to need to rewatch it to really hone in on this. They have these vials. These glass vials Mm -hmm. are wrapped in basically a rubber band. Half the movie in a backpack or in a little carrying case, because they take them out of the really protective case early on, they are getting thrown around, people are getting body slammed, falling out of buildings. These vials don't break. Are you, that doesn't make any sense to me. These vials should have broke a while ago. They made sure that they showed they were glass, because they showed that they could break by you throwing them on the ground. And then they show somebody carrying them in their pocket, getting kicked in their pocket, getting punched, thrown to the ground, getting their ass beat, and the vials are fine. Explain that to me, Kayla. All 
All right, listen, if in A Quiet Place Part 2, you can keep a cochlear implant safe in your mouth underwater. I mean, of course, you can keep, they're, they're trained assassins, you know, ballerinas, of course, in the comics, trained as a front. So they're graceful. They're they're careful with glass. I mean, they're, I That doesn't know. matter. If you're getting kicked in the front and you're falling on your back, wh where are these vials? Are you, that you just, you're not swallowing the vials Maybe they have bras them. of steel. I don't know <laughs> what's under the Avengers suit, but it's clearly glass protective. Clearly glass protective, but also bruise them to a serious All point. Right. I would like to throw something out there. Okay, um, go for it. Yelena said that she had a vest that had lots of pockets and you could put so many things in them. And then she goes, and I made some modifications to them. That's my Yelena accent. <laughs> Perhaps her modification is some sort of protecting sphere for these vials. All I'm saying. Throwing that out there. <laughs> she, yeah, she's got a protective <laughs> sphere around the vials. You put so many things in them. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, I guess that's as good of an explanation as any of this point. Yeah. All right, so are you ready for Swirly of the Week? Uh, we didn't... Uh, do we want to give a rating to this movie or no? Yeah, let's give a rating. Let's give Real a VHS quick. I'm already rating. ready. Ready? Six out of six VHS tapes. How about that? All right, five out of six for me. <laughs> okay, pretty good. So pretty good. Pretty good. All right, now we can go on to our Swirly of the Week. <laughs> no flaws. All right, Swirly of the Week. Okay, my Swirly of the Week is going to go out to bad drivers. Specifically, bad drivers in my neighborhood. Now, this is what happens. I can't, it's double-digit numbers at this point. How many times I've been side-by-side -side with a vehicle, specifically in my area, and a car has just decided to merge lanes when I'm literally right next to them. I'm not a little ahead. I'm not a little behind. I am side by side. Merely a swivel of the head. No. And I, to the right, a mere twist of the head, you would see me. No. They just turn their wheel and try to come over. I've narrowly escaped so many times <laughs> not hitting another car in another lane trying Until to get out of the way. Until recently. Until recently when a 19-year-old... Finally did it. He Damn hit kids. me. He hit me. He was scared to death. I was raging. I was. <laughs> I had just driven to Albany and back and was a minute from home when this occurred, almost at a stoplight. So, yeah. Uh, you suck. And thanks for the dent. Swirly okay. of the week. Wow. So your swirly of the week is just Bad drivers driver. in my neighborhood. Yeah, because this happens all the time. Okay. Uh, my Swarly of the Week is probably going to be the Phoenix Suns basketball team. <laughs> um, specifically, probably Chris Paul. They just lost the NBA Finals in Game 6 to the Milwaukee Bucks, the first time the Bucks have won a title in over 50 years. And the, the reason they're the Swarly of the Week is they went up two games to nothing. It's best of seven series. They were feeling high. Everybody was picking them. They were looking great. And then they lost four in a row in embarrassing fashion, crushed all the hopes and dreams of the Suns fans and people that were rooting for a game seven, such as myself, just getting your hopes up and then just crashing down. Phoenix Suns are my swirly of the week. Well, you know what? You've been hitting two teams back to back. So, Wow. I think I'm out of uh, big sporting event final <laughs> games here soon. All right. Yeah, I guess in a game where there's always a winner and loser, there's always a swirly of the week. Sorry, sons. <laughs> Go box. All right. Friendship question of the week. It is, what do you think I'm learning from you? So I'm going to say what I think I'm learning from you and vice versa. You go first. 
Okay, what I think I am learning from Kayla, she always yes. phrases this in a way where I get confused. <laughs> no, I know. So as we've been doing this podcast for over three, a little over three months now, which props to our listeners, we are at about 500 and over 500 listens so far. So thank you for all the support on everything. I think I am learning to be a little over-prepared for podcast. A lot of the times, it may have been obvious, it may not have been, I'm not sure, is I really like to just wing things. Kayla comes up with very detailed outlines, very, this is how we're going to talk about it. And my philosophy is that sounds too rigid. Let me just go with the flow, baby. The problem is sometimes you get kind of hung up in the air on that. So you need to have a baseline to retract to. So she's really helped me at least come up with notes and bullet points where I have talking points. I know where I'm going to end and start and I can kind of float in between those ranges so that I don't blabber on too long like I am right now as I'm describing what I'm learning from you, Kayla. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I wish I could say thus I was getting the opposite where I was becoming super chill. No, no. In fact, I may be amping up more than ever (laughs) uh, with how detailed I am about all things. So I cannot say that. Um, you know what? I think I've become more adaptable in this podcast. I like it. Ability. I think I have kind of one mindset having a uh, partner in crime on this podcast. I'm watching things maybe I wouldn't have normally watched. I'm challenging myself in uh, the things that we're watching or reviewing and how we're doing things. And I'm kind of surprising my own self with being able to do things on a dime and change things up and being okay with it. And I think that comes from, we're very similar with how we approach things, which is 110% from day one. Um, but I think we're, yeah, I think we're kind of mixing our vibes, I think. Yeah, I think that makes sense. Because if we do like a, uh, especially the the movie review podcast are the most evident Kayla will have like five pages of notes that she goes through and I have 10 bullet points and I have increased. I probably, maybe I get to like a page and a half of notes now and then I just kind of highlight and pick and plop things that I think are going to be the most interesting to talk about. And Kayla may have gone from five pages to seven pages. That's true. I think I'm actually getting worse. So maybe I need to learn how to peel back. Yeah, Um, yeah, I think I'm actually just getting worse. So I'm I'm slowly creating a book of notes, uh, which we'll release at a later date. For a very reasonable price. (laughs) Yeah, for a reasonable price. So yeah, you know, lots of things to learn and we're continuously learning things, you know, friendship. That's how it works. So that concludes our episode. And you know what? See you next week. Well, that's it this week for Wrong Opinions Only. Follow us on Instagram at Wrong Opinions Only and on Twitter at Wrong Opinions JK, where we'll be dropping some clues and hints towards next week's episode. Until then, JK out.